Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Nice to be back. And... What a journey. I wasn't feeling too good a few weeks ago, and I kind of think I overdid myself outside. Actually, I was digging a ditch about 120 feet long that hottest day when the heat index was 108. And pig-headed, and um, I don't like water except to be in it. I just don't like to drink it. So I think something happened during that period of time, and so my wife finally decides she's going to call the doctor since the child in me would not. And she calls the doctor, gets me to to him, and he sends me to the emergency room to get a a CAT scan to see if I had a brain bleed. The good news is they found a brain. The bad news is it was so small they couldn't get a sample from it. But uh, the good news is there was no brain bleed, anything like that. And there was, you know, I just had this incessant headache and nausea. And for three weeks, it just honestly just left. And we've got a brand new grandbaby, as we told you a couple of weeks ago, and we couldn't see him, and so we went and was tested and came back negative. So I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I'm on the other side of it now. So thank you guys for praying uh, for us. Uh, I was the healthiest, miserable person in the world, I think, for about two weeks. And uh, I think, appreciate Roy. Man, what a message last week. If you have not listened to it, you should, because I sat there and took so many notes and so many takeaways from what he shared on Lazarus. And uh, I'm going to continue that with the conversation with Martha and Mary that Jesus had over in John 11. The fill-in and the notes are all are on the Bible app. They're also on my Pastor Tim page. I think they may be on the uh, church Facebook page. But, uh, you know, we have this situation, if you were here last week or if you've read the story in John 11, where this family that's very close to Jesus, this, these two sisters and this brother, Martha is obviously, uh, it seems to me, the oldest because she is kind of taking responsibility for the house. She sees that it's set up to host the events and the people that come in. So she's fairly busy and responsible, working hard than the other sister, Mary, and don't want to draw too many uh, conclusions about their personality. But we know Mary and John 12, you know, we find her at Jesus' feet and anointing him and uh, praying for him and using her long hair, you know, to, to anoint his feet and sit at his feet. This is not a really poor family because of the parties, I think, because of the parties that they hosted. It says that, you know, they were probably a little well off than some others in the area where the brother gets sick. He gets sick and, and he is, they believe he's going to die, that he needs to be, you know, ministered to by their friend Jesus because they know what he can do. And so they send the messenger to get Jesus to tell him he's a day away. It takes a day for the messenger to get there. So the messenger gets there, tells Jesus that your friend Lazarus is sick. And like, they obviously they want you, the sisters want you to come back. Well, when Jesus hears that, we know, and I laugh every time I read it, it that he stayed two more days where he was. And, uh, and then he left. So that's a four-day journey, right? One day for the messenger to get the message to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. 
two days, Jesus stays where he is, and then one day for him to get back. Now, how long had Lazarus been dead when he got there? Four days, right? So Jesus coming back earlier wouldn't have done any good. I mean, it had been the same. I mean, he wouldn't have stopped it, right? Because evidently, Lazarus died probably shortly after the messenger left to go tell Jesus. Well, Jesus knew that. I mean, he knew things that everybody else did not know. And a funeral during this period of time is done in seven days after the death. So if you died on Tuesday, your funeral will come around back to the next Tuesday. So we're four days into this situation, three days left before the real funeral. And so they've got him in the tomb when Jesus shows up. Now, I got some takeaways for you this morning. There's so much in this story. It always grieves me not to read the whole thing because I always feel like, wow, we just should walk through every bit of this. But I'm going to going to let you guys hopefully read uh, through most of this. And uh, my first takeaway in this is Jesus gets to outside the village and Martha goes to him and she says to him, Lord, if you know, if you had only been here, if you had only been here, this wouldn't have happened. She's crying. The mourners around her from the village are crying weeping for the loss of this person they love and in John 11 33 through 34 it says when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled where have you laid him at he asked come and see Lord father would you bless the reading of your word this morning Help us, Lord. Uh, I pray for an opening of our hearts here today. I pray that you strip away some of the callousness and protective layers, Lord, that every single one of us here have put into our lives in order to survive emotionally uh, through so much loss and even now so many questions, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, we are safe in your hands emotionally physically, spiritually, and intelligently in every way, Lord, we are safe in your hands. And so, Lord, I pray you would come today here in this open space and in the apartments around us that can hear this. And I pray you invade every space with your love, your protection, your great grace and mercy as you invite us into your presence, Lord, to receive from you the comfort and the grace that we need in times of loss and grieving. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're, we're writing out your fill-in, and if you're watching it right now online, then it would be Jesus gives, and this would be Mary, Martha, and the friends, and us, I think, permission to grieve. Jesus gives permission to grieve. Permission to grieve. Now look, grieving in this time was not a private affair. Probably 90-some percent, if not all of us, here, because of our culture and the way we've been raised, we were never given permission to grieve. If we did, we did it quietly, alone, and the minute you began to grieve, outwardly someone would go, oh, it's okay, it's okay, now you know it's okay, right? Someone would rush alongside and try to calm you down in the midst of your grief. Well, this culture was not like that at all. The poorest family that lost someone in their home was expected to hire two professional mourners and a flute player. So there's my retirement program. I am going to be a flute player in uh, the mourning group with uh, when people pass. 
So that's the poorest family. And not only was the family involved in this, but second cousins, third cousins, fourth cousins, the whole family. If you were in any way kin to this person that was lost, you showed up. The whole village that knew the person showed up. They all came to that moment in that time of loss with this family because they were all grieving. Now, yes, they hired mourners, but this was, it was cultural, but it was sincere. It was an instrument, and it was a way, a passage, a highway for the family and those who love that person that is gone and the family that's grieving that to be with them in that moment and to release that grief and to let it go. Now, we don't have that culture. You know, we're so individualistic and we're so tightly wound and compact inside and so self-contained to ever allow and invite someone else, much less your whole entire family and second and third cousins. I don't even know who they are, right? But invite them into your loss is foreign to us. And it was, an, it was a spectacle. I mean, the whole village knew that they had lost someone. There was weeping and crying and beating of the chest because there was so much pain. And so they were experiencing it together. In some ways, you would expect Jesus to walk up and then go, now calm down. Remember, I'm the resurrection and the life. Calm down. No reason to get so upset. You know why we do that? Because we feel awkward, right? Because the minute someone acts like that, we suddenly feel weird. What do I do? I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, your own emotions begin to get kind of peaked, you know, and you're like, oh, I don't like what I'm feeling now. I'm out of control. What am I going to do? And all of that is a part of the grief, too, and a part of the coming alongside the person and recognizing that Jesus comes up and he does not stop any of that. Matter of fact, it touches him. This was, uh, this is still going on. If you know someone from the Middle East and you know that this still is a, a form of mourning and that it's a community event, it's a community affair. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, even as a pastor for all these decades now, you go into situations of loss and you're taught you cannot personally be involved in this loss. This is a pastor teaching thing that comes. You cannot be personally involved in that loss. You cannot. You've got to stand back from it because you've got to walk through it. And, you know, I, it, you just keep stuffing grief, stuffing it and stuffing it. And you stuff the loss. And we all do that. And we go along and we wonder why we get so edgy sometimes. And we, we just don't get it. Um, even in this current situation with the virus. You know, some of us know people who have lost family and friends, and even in our church have lost family recently to this virus. There is such a mystery to it for all of us. We don't know where it's going. We don't know how it's going to end. It has totally changed the landscape of our fellowship. I mean, it's been six months almost now. I probably, I've seen my daughter one time in six months. One time. Now that's something to grieve. That is something, but we don't allow it. We're like, oh, we're just going to go on through it. Jesus comes alongside Mary and Martha, and he not one time does he tell them they should get a hold of their emotions. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't correct them. He doesn't tell them that they're not, you're not emotionally healthy, Mary, Martha. 
you know, there's probably something wrong as they emote their loss. Every loss will be grieved. It's just a matter of how we do it. When we go right on through life and we tell ourselves that didn't cost, you know, oh, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. If we do not mourn our losses and if we do not have permission to mourn our losses, we are more unhealthy and unhealthy and unhealthy as we go along. So Jesus, Jesus allows the mourning. He gives permission for them to grieve. So here's your question, and it's a simple one to get started this morning. And if you're with someone, you can turn to them, and if you want to put your mask on, that's fine, and, and it'd be good. But this is just a yes or no to start the three questions that I asked during the sermon. And that is, have you ever felt like you didn't have permission to grieve? Have you ever felt like you did not have permission to grieve? What are we afraid of? We're afraid of loss of control. That's exactly what it is. We're afraid that if we release what we're feeling inside, somehow it won't come back. We won't be able to get it back. And what it does is as we do grieve and as we do release, it frees us. It frees us. And so your second feeling is this, and notice John eleven thirty five, and we'll come back to some words right before that as well in 34 and 33. But Jesus, not only did he give permission for them to grieve, he participates in the grieving. Jesus participates with Mary and Martha and the group. He joins them in their grieving. Now, when the weeping, the word weeping prior to this, and this is in your notes and all, prior with the group, it means wailing and loud and it's guttural. It's coming out from a deep place of loss and hurt. And, and now where Jesus comes to this place and he's feeling troubled and deep inside, he's, he's beginning to feel the emotion and the concern. There's a lot more going on here as well. Romans 12, 15 tells us that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, right? And anything that, that we're told how to live in this life, Jesus has pretty much modeled it for us. And here at this moment in time, he mourns with those who mourn. He loves this family. You know, I take great consolation in that, that Jesus can intimately love a family and a group of people, two sisters and a brother. He can care about them personally. He can come alongside them, be there with them in that moment. He's not some God way up here, away from us, but he's a Lord who comes and draws close to us in our loss, in our questions, in our grieving. He is there with us to grieve along. In John 11, 33 through 34, he is in the moment with them. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews would come along with her also weeping. And he was, it says, deeply moved in spirit, little s, his spirit, like your deep, who you are deep in the heart of yourself and who Jesus was there. And his humanity as well as who he was as the Son of God. And that picture of being deeply moved uh, in its purest sense is a snorting horse. I mean, you know, like it's you're pulling back the emotions and you're getting a little bit angry. And you're pointing the foot. It's like, 
This is getting to Jesus. Jesus is seeing what's happening. He is mourning with his friends. He's coming along. It's the picture of outrage and fury and anger in the moment. Probably 20 years ago, I finally realized after reading the scripture at least a few times that death is not something for me to be happy about. I mean, I was told all my life, it's just a part of life. It's the big circle of life. It comes around. No, it isn't. It's a robber of life. It's a taker of life. It was never meant to be like that, ever. And so Jesus comes along and he knows it. He knows that it should not be this way, which is the reason he's come. It shouldn't be like this. Why was he angry? Why was he just uh, biting at the bit? It wasn't he was angry at them for their mourning. He was angry at death itself. That's why he came, because it's the last one to be put down. Jesus is going to put death down one day, finally, once and for all. For all of us, for everyone. That's right. It's going to happen. It's coming. Jesus wanted. He sees it. He goes, that's what this my friends need. It needs to be put down. I want the kingdom to come. I want it to come now. I want it to come now. But again, what do we do in our culture? It'll be all right. It'll be okay. They're in a better place. Well, that's true, but I'm not because I miss them. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not okay because I just don't think that feels right. You know, that's why we grieve. That's why we go, Lord, this is not right. That's the reason they were grieving because this just is not right. And Jesus comes to right all those wrongs. And he is in that moment with them. He's deeply moved and he's troubled. So there's an anger and there's a fury in him over this situation. And that and troubled is like a picture of the water beginning to stir. Like the wind moving over the ocean as the chop, as 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock comes along and that southeast wind in the summertime begins to blow across the water and begins to move it a little bit. That's Jesus He's beginning to move. It's like the Holy Spirit moving across the water in Genesis. Suddenly it's moving and it's moving in him. So he's angry at death. He's furious that the people he loves, the creation that he made is having to go through this loss. And now the Spirit of God is stirring in him. And what happens next? The shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus is not some stoic individual or character. Jesus was fully human, fully God. That weeping is a little different. The word's a little different than it was with the crowd. This weeping is more of a sniffling and kind of silently because he is angry at this moment and he wants to do something about it. And he is going to do something about it. He weeps because his dear friends who are suffering are having to go through this. He weeps because his own friend, Lazarus, is in the grave. N.T. Wright says this about this moment. The tears are real. The horror of death, the fact that it sneers in the face of all that is lovely and beautiful, is overwhelming even for the Lord of life, especially for the Lord of life. Because he's the Lord of life what he is so next question how does it make you feel to consider that God grieves with you that he grieves with you for the losses in your life 
How does that make you feel? Share with somebody next to you. I think the fact is we just don't know how to grieve, do we? And maybe your own body and your own emotion knows how to teach you. Instead of it being a three-step plan, maybe your spirit, little s, inside of you wants to be released. To mourn and to grieve and to let go and to know that the Lord of all has given us permission to be able to grieve and not only permission to grieve, but will come and grieve with us in our loss because it never was intended to be like this. It never was meant to be this way. Whether it's a loss of life, a loss of vision, a loss of some desire, a loss of a marriage, a loss of a child, a loss of a friendship, whatever the loss in each part, changes of life, each one, have, they have to be mourned in their own way. And in our culture and in our day, that's just not permitted. It's not. Have you ever been to a funeral where people really mourned? I have. I lost a friend and they went to Vietnam and we went to a friend, the bass player in the band I was in, we went to the funeral. And it was, anybody here would say it was atrocious because there was screaming and crying and it was horrible emotionally. You felt so awkward. And, and please understand me, I'm not advocating all of this for us. I'm just saying we have to be true to our own grieving to release it, that God says it's okay. And we are at a grieving moment in our society right now, in many ways, in many ways. Grieving, lamenting, and allowing ourselves to emote in this moment through the sickness and through all the stuff that's going on in our country and all of that requires a grieving before God to come before Him and grieve and go, Lord, this is... We don't like this. this. We don't believe this is your will. This is your kingdom. Come, would you please come? We're just not used to that. We're not used to the feelings that we have. And so Jesus gives permission to grieve. Not only does he give permission to grieve, but he comes alongside to grieve with us. He is touched by it. He is in the moment with us in that grief. And your last one is this, but Jesus does give hope in the grieving. Jesus does give hope. He doesn't just leave it in the grieving, but he brings hope in the midst of the grieving. And John 11, 38 through 44, that snorting, you know, you can almost see Jesus just let me at the devil. You know, <laughs> let me, just let me at him. Let me at him. You know, he says, take me to the tomb. Let me get to the tomb. You know, Mary, Mary comes up as well and says, if you had only been here, all of this, you know, which, you know, this is just building the tension in the story. And he says, take away the stone. And he asked the question, if you believe you will see the glory of God. And then Jesus calls out in a loud voice, now he says it loudly, Lazarus, come out. And I've heard my whole Christian life, the reason he said Lazarus is because if he didn't say Lazarus, the whole hillside would have came out. So, you know, and so he had to name Lazarus because it was in this moment for this particular situation. And 
Lazarus has been covered in grave clothes, these strips of, you know, linen all over him and been basted and like, you know, beautiful spices and, and all that. And he's been in there four days. And of course, Martha, they're concerned. They're like, uh, I love the King James version of this. But it says, oh, Lord, but by now he stinketh. <laughs> you know, by now he stinketh. <laughs> you can't, you know, if you let him out, this is not going to be good, you know. And so Jesus roll it out and he calls him with that authoritative voice that is backed with the grief that he's feeling for his friends and for his friend that has died with all of the feeling and all of the grief and also all of the authority that he is as the son of God, the son of man. Our friend, our Lord, our Savior, he calls his friend Lazarus out. And Lazarus, because he's wrapped, if you can see this, it had to be kind of funny and amazing, but he probably had the hop, you know? He's like... But I always think about Lazarus hearing that voice. He's gone. He's been dead for four days. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice that he recognizes. That voice has been in his house many, many times. This wasn't a strange voice, and it doesn't have to be a strange voice to us either. The voice of God, the voice of our Savior, the voice of the one who allows us to grieve, who comes alongside us to grieve, we can know his voice. And boy, at times like this, we need to know his voice. Lazarus recognized that voice. Wait a minute. You know, come out. So he comes hopping out. Somehow getting out, you know, some way. He probably can't even see because these little strips are over his eyes. His jaw has been kind of, the strips have been put around his jaw. And Jesus says, set him free. Go over and let your friend free him up. Free him up. Jesus gives hope. Now, in that one moment, we see that indeed Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Just like he told Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, you know what the neat comparison is? When you look at Lazarus' resurrection and look at Jesus, Jesus didn't need any help getting out of the grave. Jesus' grave clothes were wrapped neatly and put in its place. And he was out because that's a different resurrection than what Lazarus. Lazarus had to go. Lazarus had to die again. In some ways, I think Lazarus went, darn. Man, you know what? Martha, Mary, I was doing good. You know, it's like, come on back. Jesus gives hope in that moment. He preaches that one day soon, death will be put down. I am the resurrection. I am the life. It's me. I'm your friend, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Here is a picture. But this is just a veiled picture. In just a few days, because he's headed into Jerusalem, this is like the last big miracle before he heads to the cross and the resurrection. You're going to see the real thing here shortly. This is just a preview of what you're about to see and what you will experience one day as I'm free to come back and draw all of mine to me. Once again, Jesus is deeply moved and he calls his friend out. Last question and we'll close. What moments of hope do you see in this story for you? For yourself. What moments of hope do you see in this story for you? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are not a savior. You're not a friend who is not touched by every part of our lives. 
I thank you that you come alongside, Lord, the brokenhearted. You come alongside the griever. You come alongside the families, the friends, the moments of loss. And you go, it's okay. You can grieve. Go ahead. I'm grieving too. I'm grieving with you because I want to see that day when death is put down completely. I'm grieving with you. I'm with you. I will be with you forever. God is close to the brokenhearted. He's there in that moment. So Lord, now, here in this parking lot, and Lord, out in these apartments, I pray now the Lord of all comfort would come and invade our space, Lord. You, come invade that space of loss, of grief. Uncover it and allow us to lay it bare before you, Jesus. Come, be with us. Grieve with us. And give us hope to the Lord in the midst of it. Come, Lord. Just take that thing, folks. Take whatever thing right now has come to your mind. And you know what I know? I know that there's some here that you have kept pushing it back. Even right now, you're like, oh, no. I am not going to let that come out. No, there's no way in the world I'm going to uncover that. No way, man. There's no way. That scares me too much to let that come out. No way. Look, you're, not, you're safe with Jesus. You're, you're good with Him. Just lay it before Him this morning. Let Him roll that stone back away. And let Him hear His word call your name and say, come out. Come out. Because when Lazarus came out, the grieving ended for those sisters and the celebration began. Come out. Come out. Tim, can you just share with Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's funny that I'm just standing up here in this, when you're talking about grief. Our, our family went through um, a season of, I don't know, five or six years where it felt like Maybe we were just called to be grievers, and it was really, really hard. And um, I think I got to a place where I was like, God, if this is what you've called me to, I'll do it, but I don't like it. It's so hard. But um, what I learned, and I'm still learning it, is that I, that is not what defines me. That's not my label. But it is making part of who I am, the depth of my relationship with the Lord, Allowing the grief and the hope. And I don't know if there's anybody else that's ever just felt like that. Like, is there going to be a happy day? <laughs> um, but I've been there. And I know that in those times is when I've felt the closest to my Jesus. So, like Tim said, if we could just invite that Jesus to come and, and fill us with hope. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.